If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So raw's enough that both are faded love, and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. All right, so Bozeman just partied like it was 1984. Your Montana State Bobcats are going to the national championship game in Frisco in January. It was one of the greatest days of my life. I have another guy here who probably one of the greatest days of his life. We have Montana Parlay. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Still feeling, still feeling a buzz. Still feeling it, and then we have an, a, another guy who may have may have watched it on TV. We don't really know. We haven't confirmed yet if he was boycotting or not. We no. have Bear Tycoon with us as well. Watch the whole thing. It is a long ways away from the best day of my life, but uh, very enjoyable <laughs> football game. We'll get into it. Um, but I'm very proud of you, Bobcats, uh, as a big brother in the relationship. Very happy to see you all succeeding, um, and congratulations! A heartfelt congratulations, making a national championship. Uh, three weeks ago, this seemed impossible. So congrats, guys. Well, thank, thank you. you. We, we kind of appreciate that. I just So when you say the big brother, are you meaning like Cooper Manning big brother who just kind of is on the sidelines watching uh, all the good stuff happen to the other brother? Meaning uh, the team that every Cat fan couldn't help but including their tweets, including their chance following the game, somehow making their trip to the national championship about the Montana Grizzlies. Um, look, oh, I don't want to take away from it. I want to minimize team. anything. Congratulations. Congratulations. We're very happy for you. It's very exciting. It's very legitimate, very exciting. Yeah, because I was looking at it. I think it uh, is more that you were trying to be the Cooper Manning big brother. Mm-mm. No, like the, like the bigger brother. Yeah. You know, listen, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, as we've talked about on here before. When the Braves won the World Series All three this year, of us are. It was uh, super exciting. Uh, never once during that run was I thinking about the Phillies, was I thinking about the Mets, was I thinking about the Nationals. Um, well, I was yeah, just happy those aren't for my real team. rivals. Those aren't well, real rivals. You have no connection to the Braves besides your childhood team. You know, this isn't your home I live in state. Washington, D.C. I'm literally surrounded by Nats fans. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't compare to a Cats and Grizz, though. It doesn't sure. compare to how you grew up. It's not even It doesn't close. compare to the I one way even... Cats to Grits. Yes. Man, why why do we go down this road? I, I'll admit, like, I wasn't happy that the stupid song was being played when I'm on the field. I wanted them to keep playing, you know, if you're, you're going to play in Texas because you I got down. I It took me a ways, a time to get down to the field. I would have liked to dance with a uh, yeah. A couple of nice ladies uh, right there on the field while they played the Texas song. Got to have a fiddle in the band. You got to have, <laughs> if you're going to win in Texas, you got to have a Tommy on the team. That's a good way wow, to put this it. Was I think little... that's better that we're talking about this and not not Bear Tycoon's uh, thinly veiled jealousy uh, over what transpired not, oh, so, on Saturday. Yeah, hands up. Hands up. I told you guys before we started recording. I was not even a tiny bit jealous about the semifinal game. I was, I was just like, ah, this is, I think they're going to lose. We'll probably end up, you know, about the same, but we won Cat Grizz. I am extremely jealous of the national championship. Extremely, extremely, extremely jealous. Um, 
And I will, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's no coming back from it. You're in the, you're in the national championship. Not going to try to minimize it's, it. It's, yeah, and it's unreal. It's something that, I mean, you, every year you, it's the goal, obviously, for every team in the yes. FCS to win that national championship. It's to win, you know, win Cat Grizz, win the Big Sky, win the national championship. It's weird when you don't do two of those things, but you're still heading to the national championship. Yes. Um, but, but the, that atmosphere in Bobcat Stadium, um, Montana Parlay and I were both there, was, the most electric I've ever seen that stadium, even including all the Bobcat Grizz games we've gone to there. I mean, 2019 was like a party in that stadium. That game was over in the first quarter. This one had all the atmosphere in that first half when you end at 17 to 17. And there's that, that anxiety and the, the just, you want to win that so bad and you're starting the second half tied. And then it turned into an absolute party in the fourth quarter in that stadium I think Montana State tweeted or posted something on Instagram that said uh, Bobcat Stadium was a bounce house on Saturday, and that was the perfect way to put it. Every yeah. single song that was played in that stadium was like a jump around, uh, like Wisconsin yeah. does. Every single time the bass hit or the drop hit in that music, that place was going crazy like a rave. It was unbelievable. And I would yeah, say I, I, I would compare it more to 2005, our first – home win after the streak when Lule was QB on that, that was frozen 2000 okay so I was there in 2005 so that, was know, the sec- I, I yeah, that was the second home win. I had a, yeah. enough beverages that I didn't know if it was the first or second home win since the streak but you know that stadium was, was different then they, they didn't have it closed off so there's what 5,000 less people and you kind of knew that was it you're like we won this game we're going to the playoffs, yada, yada, that's it. But not only did we win this game and you're there and it's just going nuts, but then it's like hits you like, we actually got a shot at this next game to win the yeah. championship. You know, yeah. we're go- I'm going to go to Frisco. Everyone's freaking out. If anyone's looked at tickets now, uh, thank God, you know, I shout out to Kyler and some of the other people at the FCS, you know, Fans Nation is that, I'd like to think I'd figure it out on my own, but they kind of hinted, hey, you need to get tickets. And then with North Dakota State playing Friday night, I was like, I need to plan everything ahead of time. And thankfully I did. Me and a group of friends got our tickets at face value. Now, I don't know. I think a lot of people in Bozeman are not going to be able to go. It's a small stadium, but yeah. I don't want to get fifteen hundred dollars is here. face value. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we get too deep into Frisco talk, I do want to get back to the atmosphere. So you guys were in the stadium. I was getting texts from you, mm-hmm. pictures from from all the guys in the stadium. It looked awesome. Watching it on TV was it was just it was such a stark difference from all the other football that was being played a couple days before with all the shitty bowls that had just kicked off the North Dakota State James Madison game. I get like the Fargo Dome gets loud and like they get lots of people in there, but it just, it really feels like they're playing in a hollowed out shopping like mall. Like it's such dungeon, a lame. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, such like a one lame of those dome. 80s stadium dome and going to the Bobcat game, the mountains in the background, the snow, every time they came back from commercial, they started out with like either kids sledding down a, a massive hill, kids sledding down on their butts, 
like big snow piles. Pe- one guy was just riding a bike through a field in like circles. Uh, field, it was the weirdest thing. Field of snow. Um, it, it was it was incredible. And then they would show that they would show the stadium where it was packed, and it was a close game. For it was the best football on that day. Like the final score, thirty-one seventeen. It looks like it was a blowout. There was a couple plays with like four minutes left where uh, South Dakota State got down inside like the 10-yard line where it still felt like they were in it until the last few plays. Let's go through the whole game. But just shout out to Bozeman. Shout out to the to all the fans that were there. Um, you know, we talk about the importance of getting on TV, the TV contracts, um, the importance of getting FCS in front of eyeballs. Any football fan, this was just a better product than most other things that were coming out. Um, it was it was so cool, yeah. and you have to think a a very positive bump for the conference and for the school. Um, should we just? I have a bunch of thoughts on the game, bunch of notes. Um, should we just kind of go through beginning to end how this whole whole thing went down? Because it was it was awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah. and it was but, yeah. You're right. It was it was unbelievable. The atmosphere was just. Like I said, second to none. It was I was I had adrenaline through and at the end of the game and all through the night and still today on on we're recording this on Tuesday night. It was it'll be something that gets me all the way through till January eighth because of just yeah. how amazing of an experience that was. I'm so glad. Um, I mean, I'm Montana Parley will probably say the same thing that we decided to go to this game for the memories, for the historic uh, nature of it. Uh, I'm so glad that we didn't you know um, shrug this one off as, you know, maybe we'll go to the championship game if they win this. This one was just so much fun to have in Bozeman, in yeah. a city you know and love, and in, in, in that stadium to get to show that off to the rest of the country was, was pretty special. It was. It, it was just seeing everyone that I would see when I'd go tailgate, when I lived in Montana, but they were just so happy. Everyone was just so happy. Everyone, you know, just that positive vibe, just everything about it was amazing. And yes, we're biased, but Coastal Carolina, former FCS, played in a bowl Friday night to, I don't know, like 4,000 people. Yeah. What was the vibe there? All of us were looking at each other that are watching that game before the JMU game. Like, why would you want to be a part of it? What's the point? You know, what is the point? that versus what we experienced Saturday, no comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Very exciting. Um, Let's, I'm going to go through the game. I know you guys are pumped and just going to keep circle jerking each other on this. So let's go through the game. I want to get your thoughts on it before we do this though. um, uh, Touchdown Tommy. He went in three (laughs) weeks from being just like our backups in like Montana backup is taking Matt McKay's space. He's a butte guy. Like, the casual fan did not know about Touchdown Tommy. He is now a household name in Montana. And I just want to put it out there. I haven't checked this with you guys, but I would love to sign Touchdown Tommy to a NIL, NIL deal. Um, if he doesn't have one ready, we could make a million Touchdown Tommy shirts. Tommy, reach out to us. Um, someone listening to this, if you guys know Tommy, put him in touch with us. We'd love to make some shirts and get Touchdown Tommy some big-time dollars in his pocket. Um, all right. Starting the game, Cats receive the ball, and I mean it wasn't a four and out, but it was a very short drive. They punted away to South Dakota State. At that moment, scale of one to ten, how nervous were you that the Cats kind of floundered on the first drive of the game? Nate, let's start with you. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I think you're trying to just feel everything out. It was a scripted first drive, obviously that didn't go their way, but they, you know, got a first down. They moved it a little bit, ran into, you know. I mean, it's not 
not normal to punt the ball. So it wasn't like a nerve wracking thing at all. You you yeah. would like to get some points, obviously. Like you know how they started out Sam Houston State. Disappointed. That was the whole reason they won that game. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was just uh, wish we'd have got some momentum going because you knew that's how we beat Sam Houston. So it was, that yeah. was a little bit disappointing there, but wasn't wasn't panicking yet. Obviously, parlay. Were you, any panic in your pants, or were you just uh, a little disappointed <laughs> with that outcome? Well, let's talk about the uh, football game only. <laughs> No, I, they moved the ball. I saw where they had potential to move the ball on um, South Dakota State. I was more worried about our defense getting stopped. So that yeah. that first offensive possession didn't bother me at all. I was more concerned about our defense getting stopped. So I, you know, well, didn't, yeah, they didn't feel they, too down after that. Yeah, that, so that's first South Dakota State possession. They moved the ball down the field pretty well. Their big tight end, number 85, had a big pass. They had a couple big plays. All of a sudden, they were down inside the 10-yard the line. Uh, fourth and one, they they go for it, get stuffed. Troy. And th- that was, uh, like, that, I don't know what would be, other than the, the Bobcat Grizz game a few years ago where the Grizz fumbled, um on the opening possession. I don't know if there's been like such a statement play that seemed to hold over for the entire game. So the game went from yeah. that stop where the stadium on TV looked like it was actually shaking with how loud it was. Um, <laughs> followed by a very quick Bobcat touchdown. Um, kind of walked me through the stadium from that well, point forward into, into the touchdown. Yeah. And, and one thing to remember is that the coach from South Dakota state, when he was kind of going through his game plan for Montana state last week, mentioned Troy by number and said he couldn't remember his name. And so you could tell, you could tell when Troy was making these stops, he was looking over at that sideline and letting him know who he was. And this was another Troy game. I mean, that stop on that fourth down, the guy tried to give him that little, that stiff arm, which has worked all all season. Obviously he's a great running back. Troy just takes him down. That place went insane because you're right. You're feeling there's a, there's a nervous energy when a team can go down the field like that get yep. that first score, start the momentum, and they just stole it from him immediately at the four-yard line, five-yard line. And you're right, that set the tone, I think, for that defense, knowing that they could handle these running backs. Um, and just that was that was really the start to the excitement in the next you know five minutes for sure. Yep. Yeah, scoring um, was huge. Yeah, so then the very next – so Bobcats take over deep into their own territory, and it seemed like – Three plays later, they're scoring a touchdown. It was, was Stewart the one who scored that first touchdown, that first long touchdown? It was, yeah. Yep. 64 yards. And so yeah. the interesting part about that one, so we're sitting up, um, we would have been on the west uh, sideline there. Um, from And we were behind the play. So we were, uh, I'm sorry, we were, you know, behind the safeties basically was our angle, looking back at the, the cats on the line of scrimmage. And you saw... South Dakota State bring their safeties up again. And it was the oddest thing. And I looked and I was like, what are they – like they're going to a cover zero. After yeah. last week seeing everything that Tommy did to Sam Houston, the and Cats – it was third down. Yep. And the Cats look back. They 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 did the thing and they come up, they clap, they check the play, they look over at the sidelines. Sidelines changes the play. And immediately they go the deep ball to Stewart, hit him. Great catch, by the way. I mean, it was kind of a 50-50 ball, but Tommy put that thing on a dime – and that was right in front of us. And then Stewart outruns everybody to the end zone. And that place went insane. Again, it's that first punch. When you get to throw that first punch, you know, yep. uh, I mean, there's so much that goes along with that. Uh, and that was just absolutely phenomenal. And one thing you forget, and I was rewatching the game when we got home uh, after the game the next day on ESPN2 or on ESPN+. Plus. 
Malat fumbled the ball two or three plays before that yeah. on that run. And somehow the ball bounces directly back over to him while he is on his back on the ground, and he just reflexively grabs it. And yep. that is like one of the biggest plays that you know you kind of forget about because two plays later they go deep to Stewart and actually get it. It was unbelievable the luck that got that ball back into his arms, and then for them to turn that into something was was really cool. Yeah, and it's there's a few plays. I had that one marked down. There's a few plays throughout the game where you can say it's luck or just like bad decision making, um, but they all went against South Dakota State, and that was one of them. We I'll, I'll mark them through as we go through the game or list them out as we go through the game, um, but that was one where it's just like holy shit, you know. I mean, that would have been a, an absolute game changer. And as a casual Cats fan, like uh, my concern going into this game, we talked about it a little bit, was was the, the Bobcats offense. And, you know, it's it's exciting to have touchdown Tommy in there, but his box scores the in his, in his last two starts did not inspire a lot of confidence that he was going to be able to put up a lot of points. He was rushing the ball, but like Sam Houston State, Right, he had a few big passes. That's where he got his yardage. I was I was worried that when he actually had a defense that was like ready for him, that it was going to shut yeah. him down. But he placed the ball where he needed to. He did exactly what he needed to and looked awesome that game. Again, Tommy, nil deal. We would love to sign you. <laughs> Give us a shout out. Nope, but that's um, that's such a good point though. That I mean, that's I just want to touch on that. That's such a good point because that's where my. Uh, nervousness came from going into this game was South Dakota State having two weeks of Tommy on tape uh, between the UT Martin game and Sam Houston. Seeing Sam Houston not respect his passing and him being able to torch them, that was... And and then for them to switch into that cover zero and know the Cats were going to come to the line and they could see what they were doing, and then to hit Stewart on that. I mean, his deep balls are so money. I honestly don't think he's missed a deep ball in his three uh, playoff starts. Uh, I guess it's only three starts, I should say. Um, he has some skill throwing the ball, and you're right. It was the, it was a a thought going into this game, and the nervousness going into this game, and he showed that if you let him have a shot, he's gonna take it. He's gonna hit. Yeah. All right. So seven zero cats. The uh, South Dakota State gets a gets a touchdown. Very impressive drive. Um, couple big plays. Super long uh, touchdown to Pierre Strong. Ties it up seven seven. Uh, I believe it's the very next drive. Um, cats have the ball. We're now in the second quarter. Cats have a third and 10 and, and the Jackrabbits stop them. They I, get the ball would have been like fourth and six, fourth and five, but they have that roughing the passer um, on the defense yeah. first down. And again, I have this one marked down as one of just like turning points of the game. The things that broke, I want to say they broke in the cat's favor because this is a mental mistake by South Dakota state. It's not like a fumble that bounced another direction, but just bad outcomes that went um, against South Dakota state uh, that that's one I marked down because then the cats get the ball, get a, and they end up getting three points in that drive. So it's 10, seven. Um, yeah. And that, that hit huge, was, huge that hit was brutal. Mistake. That hit was yeah. brutal too. Totally yeah. unnecessary, had plenty of time to hold up um, and yeah. drilled him. And he was hurting too. That one, I was scared for Tommy being hurt. Cause we're going to Rovic at that point, which isn't like, I mean, it's a downgrade obviously right now, but someone with playoff experience, but still I was thinking I had shades of Cam Humphrey, you know, your best player out in yeah. the playoff game because that was a cheap-ass hit um, by South Dakota State, and somehow Tommy got up and still kept playing because he took a he took a hit on that one. I texted a few of my buddies. It's probably right after that hit, but a few friends that are Cats fans, I was like, I don't think Tommy's making it to the end of this game because he took – that wasn't the first hit he took, and it just seemed like 
with the running, the bad hits, like you can only take so much punishment. And he proved me wrong because he, not only did he finish the game, but he looked awesome throughout the game. Um, Cats get a field goal. Another, uh, another South Dakota state drive. They go up 14 to 10. Um, what is the name of their big tight end? Number 85 craft that craft. Yes. Craft of the K. Yeah. Craft. Yep. He looked Tucker craft. He looked awesome throughout the entire game. Um, Dude, watching that guy in person, even from however many rows up you are in that stadium, was a monster. The dude was he humongous. Huge. It was unbelievable. It was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. I had watched like Vincent Jackson play when Northern Colorado came uh, to Bozeman. You know, we've seen some other good big time big players that look league ready. This dude looked like he was like Travis Kelsey. Uh, Zach Ertz esque, like the dude yeah. was humongous, huge, huge, and he just uh, yeah, it's uh, and it's an exciting time for the FCS because you know you see a guy like that dominate, you can't really just dismiss it as like you know they're on a lower level than the rest of college football because you have Cooper Cup who similarly um, yeah. uh, dominated at the FCS level who's now like being listed. And the you can get odds on him to win the M, the MVP. He's not going to win the MVP, yeah. but he's at least in the conversation. Um, yeah, which and is one wild. interesting so, thing, Tucker. Yeah, Craft. one interesting thing about that Tucker Craft pass that it was third and seven on the South Dakota State forty-five. Cat stop, and they're going to get the ball back. They run. It's like a tight end screen where there was just a ton of mayhem in the middle of the field. He gets it, and it takes. I think Troy running him out of bounds to get him out of bounds because that dude. A DB was not going to take him down. They tried throughout yeah. the game. One guy just got absolutely yeah, one benched. guy bounced off. <laughs> it was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was against my team, and we won, so I can laugh about it now. But oh my god! Um, but but that but that screen was kind of a foreshadowing later, where they tried to run that two other times, maybe three other times in the game. Never worked. The cats sniffed it out each time. I think they even got a pretty big hit on one of the janky or Yankee uh, twins. Uh, in the middle of that, but that that screen worked so perfectly, and that guy was rumbling, and I wouldn't have been within twenty yards of him if I was playing football trying to take him down. Yeah, no, I would have, I would have faked an injury and fallen over before I tried to. Yeah, just a cramp, him. like an immediate cramp, like <laughs> oh, I tripped. <laughs> and then I bring the trainer the out, yeah, bring the trainer out so that they're like pushing your foot back, so people can be like, oh, it's a cramp, he's okay, okay, good, and they totally forget about you just bitching out on the tackle. <laughs> So next play uh, or next drive, um, yeah, Janky gets that touchdown, puts them up 14-10. Uh, very uh, efficient drive by the Bobcats. Uh, the next go around um, ends with a Tommy Mlot touchdown, uh, rushing touchdown, 17-14. Um, Bobcats have the advantage. There's an awesome, it seemed like a 70-yard field goal, but it's only a 51-yarder by South Dakota State to end the second quarter. Go in tide, um, which – we have it to go back. Like I think we have to go back to that. It was, but we have to go back to that drive, that five play touchdown drive by the Cats. A great yeah. play and one that they had probably been holding on to. The first down play where they get 33 yards to Trayton Pickering. Um, the play is Malott runs right. He tucks. DBs start coming in on him, thinking it's a designed run, obviously. Untucks, passes that ball over the defense to Pickering. Perfect pass. Uh, to get that first 33 yards. And it was a great design play when you know that every time Tommy actually tucked the ball, all, everybody was going to suck in uh, and go yeah. after him. And him to get that ball out, it was almost like a – and they, they tried it. I think actually going – funny, going back to the last draft for South Dakota State, they tried the Tim Tebow jump pass. 
Um, they had their yeah. backup quarterback come in, went in, ducked down behind the line, then did the little Tebow jump pass, which they missed. They scored on the next play anyway. Um, but this was kind of like Montana State's little Tebow version of fake the run, pass over the top, and it was a great uh, play to get to the Cats to, to basically mid pass midfield on first down and really set the stage for that drive. Yeah, so and that, that was uh, Pickering's only reception the entire game. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, but it was a. That's coming off of that touch. I mean, that was so huge to come off that touchdown against South Dakota State's yep. touchdown to get thirty-three yards on the first play. You didn't even have to get to second or third down. It was just thirty-three yards right off the top. It was uh, set and to turn. Like you said, yeah, go ahead. It helps open up the run for Tommy later in the game because Hell yeah. they have to respect they have to respect that type of play. And with Afonso out, we haven't even touched on that. Yeah, you know, no, we found out. <laughs> I found out. An hour before, no, two hours before the game, I find out from a source before it was even announced that Afonso's out, and literally my emotions went from like yeah, a, way up at a hundred, you know, ready to go to like I just was like a shell of myself until I <laughs> what what brought me back was um, twenty nineteen Cat Grizz when they announced Troy was out right before, and I felt devastated, yeah. and then we kick butt so it's like i'm devastated but and i feel terrible for afonso but all right we got a lot of guys and tommy can run and we'll figure something out you know <laughs> yeah, that, but and they sure did figure something out yeah after that after that pass to pickering Malot went 12 yards 9 yards 17 yards 4 yards on the next four plays for the touchdown uh, and like good. like Barry tycoon said he took some <laughs> he took some licks uh yeah for sure but that dude is a hits. gamer he did but that was i mean that was a such a counterpunch to get that lead back. They never lost it again. And um, that was that was a massive, massive drive going into the end of that half. And like Barry Tycoon said, South Dakota State did put together a 12-play drive to get that field goal. And by the way, South Dakota State's kicker, damn near as big as their tight end. He had, I don't know. I didn't look up how tall he was, but that dude had a, had a leg on him. 51 yards at, in, like, what, 15-degree weather, and he made it by quite a bit. That was a pretty impressive uh, kick. by snow and ice on the crossbar. That yeah, was it was another insane. cool shot. He's 6'5", yeah. 230. 6'5", 230. What? I knew he was huge. We, we were right behind the South Dakota State bench. And these, I will tell you this. Between their fans and their team, South Dakota State is the biggest, tallest fan base and team I have ever been around in my life. It was unbelievable. Uh, Even I'm at the lucky. bars after the game, if there was anybody around, they were like 6'7", South Dakota State dudes. It was unreal. Just like all of these, just Scandinavians. these freaks from South Dakota coming over, so tall, so intimidating, <laughs> except on the field. But so uh, me watching the game on TV, I was just like the first half is like, uh, you know, these guys, South Dakota State looks so good. They're moving the ball down the field, but the Cats kept punching back. Like when South Dakota State went up 14-10, I was like, oof, this, like, this may be it. Like every game starts out tied, but eventually the good teams pull away. Um, wasn't the case here going into the third quarter have tie ball game another play that uh, uh, I like was shocking in the moment when I went back and rewatched it today shocking again but another thing that went into the cats favor South Dakota State had the ball midfield as third and two running back goes up the gut he gets hit in the backfield but spins out of it and gets the first down <laughs> but the refs pl- whistled the play dead when he got that initial hit and like, yep. if someone doesn't like you do that, like there's a time where you blow that whistle 
it seemed quick on the field, but watching the replay of it, it is, it's pretty egregious. Um, but it was fourth down. They had to punt it. And it was just another thing where it's like, holy shit, like South Dakota State received the ball and immediately, or not immediately, but got zero points off their drive, had to kick it away uh, because of this pretty consequential play uh, at, at, a, at midfield. Um, in the stadium, yeah. were people confused by this? I think more on e- when you watch the replay on ESPN2, that's when yeah. you notice how bad it was. Like in the stadium, I guess you can't really tell down there at that side. We were on the opposite side of the field, like where the momentum was stopped or anything like that. You watch it on ESPN2, there are 99 out of 100 times that play is going to allow, they're going to say, yeah. the announcers are going to say, great job by that running back for that second effort to get that first down. And yeah, I don't know why he blew it dead. I honestly don't. It was a bad break for South Dakota State in that situation um, because it did look like his legs were still turning. He still had some momentum going forward. Yeah, if you watch it in real time, like it just seems like he got hit and spins out of it. Like there's not even like a. It was the weird. I've never seen anybody. I, yeah, I've never really seen a referee stop that. I could see it if it was a quarterback yeah. and he was in the grass, but that one, yeah, didn't quite understand that. Yeah, but it was fortunate for the Cats, and then another. Besides the two turnovers later in the game, this was the last thing I had that um, one of the Cats' favor. They get pinned super deep. Um, I think they start out on like the four or five yard line. Yeah, because Willie Patterson they, inexplicably calls for a fair catch at the oh, yeah. four yard. I remember line. that oh, four yard line God. fair catch. That, that might be a record. That might be a record. Well, he was – I believe he was the one that pinned the Cats. He he muffed a punt last uh, – or against Sam Houston and pinned the Cats. Oh, the to kickoff. Two. They ended up scoring. The kickoff, sorry. Um, yeah. He muffed it there. So I think he's – I've never really trusted him back there. He's always scared the hell out of me um, when oh, he's been fielding and those punts. Get, and this was another – this is another one where I was like, God damn it, Willie. As a Denver Broncos fan, this was a decades-long issue for us. The second – your punt returner loses confidence, makes one mistake. It just, it cascades. Like Gone. they will continue yeah. to make mistakes. Um, but they, so they're pinned deep. Um, Tommy Malott throws a nice pass, gets them the first down, but then there's also a late hit on the play that adds 15 yards yep. to it. So the cats go from their five yard line to being on like the 30 yard line. They don't end up getting any points at that drive, but like the, the distance that they got, especially with that late hit, allowed them to kick the ball deep. South Dakota State didn't have like awesome field position after it. So well, it flipped them. That was the last. It flipped them almost. A, it flipped them ninety-one yeah. yards, or I don't know how many yards. They got to the, the South Dakota State seven now. So they flipped the field from there four to the South Dakota State seven. I mean, and that was about as second best thing that could, third best thing that could come out of that drive. Yeah. Besides the touchdown yeah. and a field um, goal. All right, so at this point, um, third quarter, not a lot of scoring action, but uh, it ends on a touchdown, Tommy, touchdown. I want to talk about the third quarter. Sure, let's hear it. You know, if you've followed me on Twitter over the years, there's one thing I despise more than anything, and it's usually when I'm emotionally attached to a, a game by betting, and that's punting the ball on fourth and short, around midfield and that first possession South Dakota State after you know I knew going in it was going to be a game of second half adjustments and whoever came out and made those adjustments and maybe had the ball bounce their way was going to win the game I mean it was a tie game so obviously you know I'm not saying anything uh, crazy here they get the ball first I'm like shoot they I hope we get a stop 
You know, that's all I wanted was a stop or at least a field goal. They move the ball a little bit. Uh, they get one first down. They're, they're near midfield. It's third and two. They get stuffed on third and two. Now it's fourth and two on the Bobcat 48. They're across midfield. They've got that two-headed monster running backs. They line up to punt the ball. I felt such a sense of relief and was chuckling to myself when they ran the punt team out. They've got that monster out offensive line. They've got Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis, and they're punting at fourth and two on the opponent's 48. I loved it. I yeah. love I loved yeah. it as a Bobcat fan, and if I would have been betting on on the Jackrabbits, I would have been furious. You know, so that there's three punts in a row, and then we got that touchdown, as I think you were about to talk about. Yeah, that was kind of the shift in the game. That was like when I could start to feel like we might be going to Frisco. And it all started with a punt. You know, who knows where this game is at if they go for it on fourth and two and get it at midfield. Yeah, I was feeling the same way. When I saw the punt team come out, I was ecstatic. I had assumed they would go for it. They're the best, one of the best. They had the number one rusher in the FCS, I believe, um, and the best rushing team in the FCS, and they punted. I was I was just as surprised as, as Montana Parlay was, and I was just as excited and it sent a message that they didn't want to mess with our defense i think and it you know probably sends a message to their offense that they don't trust them to get two yards on their side of the on the cat side of the field and yeah. you know the oc for sdsu went to idaho it was kind of known our, our buddies at tubs kind of broke it ahead of time and then it became a big story after the game and i joked that i was happy that they signed him and and that he left the stadium at halftime <laughs> but little did i Little did I know that Petrino showed up in his place to call plays and and run a punt team out there on fourth and two at midfield. Truly unreal. Yeah, it was. It, it was some. It was. I feel like all the Idaho guys were very happy about the coaching hire during the first half, and then got a little shaky <laughs> yeah. in that second half because their offense started <laughs> to sputter. And I didn't. I don't yeah. want to. I, I, I kind of jumped the gun on that last touchdown because I did want to touch on this last drive by the by the Cats in the third quarter. Um, 12th play, 68-yard drive. Oh, and, that, and the quarter. Yeah, huge. They get the ball, yep. they huge. Get the ball to midfield with a couple couple nice passes on the, 40, on the Cats' 46-yard line. There's one incompletion in here, but other than that incompletion, their yardage to a touchdown was, um, uh, I guess it's from the 35. Malat four yard run, seven yard run, six yard run, five yard run, three yard run, six yard run, one yard run, three yard touchdown run, all by the same it guy. Was, I get it. That is unreal. It's so awesome, dude. And the thing was, I think the thing that most impressed me. This is this is my first time seeing him play in person. I'd obviously seen him play on TV during the season, um, and you know, in the first two games of the playoffs. But seeing this dude in person, how many times he is dead to rights two, three yards behind the line of scrimmage and somehow turns yeah. that play into positive yardage and then somehow turns that play sometimes into a six-yard gain is uncanny. Like, I don't get the ability. I don't get what kind of vision you have to have to do that. And this yeah. dude's 18, 19 years old. It was unreal how many times. Like, that three-yard run on first and 10, they probably had him two yards in the backfield to go second and 12, and he's getting three yards to put him in a manageable second down. It was unbelievable. And, like, I know that the legend of touchdown Tommy is only going to grow and grow and grow and the hyperbole we have around him, but God, he was impressive he, to watch. And this drive I think was set. 
His license is already set. You're right. And but he's, this drive yeah, right here was the, the one that showed game <laughs> as a backup quarterback his without starting a, a single, without well, starting yeah. a single regular he's from season BU, game. Montana. His legend is <laughs> the legend. Set. You're right. The legend's already. It gone. couldn't be a better city to be from and do this. It's <laughs> yeah. just crazy. But it, it just showed you that when people know you're going to run and you can still do this, and the vision and just the strength and the. I don't even know well, what skill it is. Well, I honestly don't so know what skill that is. So much of it comes is, from, but it's unreal. It, yeah, so much of it comes from what what Parlay was hitting on earlier is that unlike Troy Anderson, who's a otherworldly athlete, was a was yeah. a service like was awesome at quarterback, but he didn't he did not have a touch for launching the ball down the field. And with yeah, touchdown, they could Tommy stack being eight able, nine in the box. Yeah, yeah even if and if, if if Troy Anderson was a C minus passer. The cats have more, you know, way more uh, uh, success with him behind the at, at quarterback. With touchdown Tommy, we still don't really know what he's capable of overall. I think we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. But let's say he's a B minus passer right now, where he can hit the long ball where there's not great coverage. That's enough because you are now taking so many guys out of the box, and it, it's just it's completely game changing. On that drive, you really saw it. They took six, they ate up half of the quarter on that drive, ending with a touchdown, completely demoralizing uh, to South Dakota State. And then to top it off, very four plays later, so they go into the break. They defense have been on the field for twelve plays, interception on the very next drive, like three four plays was- into it. This was unreal. And this so was the defense the, has to go back uh, out there. Yeah, it was an unreal five-minute stretch. And it was almost five minutes. Well, it's like four and a half minutes game time. But this stretch of game going touchdown and then yeah. on a third and 14th getting Simeon Woodard, that interception, that place, this is when it just absolutely – you like you just felt that the tides had turned enough in the Cats' favor. Yeah. Touchdown and then an interception – you could tell the Cats came out in that second half and changed up what their safeties were doing a little bit um, with their coverages. I believe they were in like a cover two the whole first half, and they kind of changed up how they were running that cover two in the second half. And it really screwed up, I think, Oladukin's confidence a little bit or his comfortability because you could tell in that second half that he didn't have as much time because the four were getting to him because he wasn't as decisive getting the ball out. And then this pass, I think you couldn't really tell if he overthrew – Yonke or under through the deep receiver, but Woodard was right there between the two, yeah. got it and got that ball back to midfield. And that, that place exploded on that play on the broadcast. There was no wide receiver on the screen. Like it, there was <laughs> yeah, just it was the a big guy. gap. Yeah. Um, it, uh, parlay, where were you sitting in the stadium and what was kind of the, so yeah, you're right. It went, it went touchdown interception and then another touchdown all in very yeah. short period of time. But like, what was the was four and a half minutes of game where time. you were sitting? <laughs> so I was, uh, I was sitting behind the Bobcats. I was basically across the stadium from Nate, um, and it was for some of those drives, like that the Tebow pass by uh, South Dakota State. I had the perfect view of that pocket he had as he kind of hunkered down and then stood up and popped it over the guy's head. Uh, so just. Being at the Bobcat Stadium and seeing Tommy getting a better view of his view versus that high school stadium I was at last week. I saw him in person in, in Texas, but I was closer to field level. It's harder to see like how he's maneuvering and slipping around. So, you know, 
it was just cra- amazing to see. And then as to the atmosphere, I was with my brother and a few of his friends, and just we were packed in there. And uh, people are just going nuts. You know, everyone's giving fist bumps, going crazy, jumping up and down, uh, doing the first down calls. I don't really love the little rah rah thing. I oh, didn't like it when amazing. we started. Do not talk oh, about yeah. that. That is well, the best <laughs> thing that we have going for us on those first down calls. But just everyone going crazy, uh, and it it all happened with the touchdown interception touchdown. Yeah. And you know he's got he can throw. I don't know where he's at throwing ability, but he makes the plays he needs to make. He's got possession receivers. They've got play callers that know how to keep the defense yeah. honest, you know. Yeah, he and- does. Yeah, he does enough. Like it, maybe he'll never need to be tested as like this pocket quarterback that like relies on his pass. Like he does enough where he can get the ball down so, the field, and as long as he yeah. can stay healthy, um, it's pretty scary um, for for the rest of the Big Sky Conference. So that and that next drive after the, I thought this next drive. I know it wasn't as long. It wasn't. Tommy using his legs, but he threw two of his best passes, I think, yep. in his three games. He goes, um, they give the ball to Elliott for once <laughs> on first down. Then Malott uh, gets sacked, so loss of four. So we're going third and 11. Malott hits a deep ball again, kind of that jump ball, 50-50 ball to, uh, to Nate Stewart again. And our receivers have not lost a 50-50 ball in I don't know how long. Uh, <laughs> they are unbelievable. And so they get that ball to Nate Stewart for a first down at the seven. The very next play, I think Malat saw something and quick snapped that ball. And he gets a back shoulder throw to McCutcheon, 17 yards across the yeah. field. And it was a laser. And that was where I was like, holy shit, this dude. Like, I knew he could throw those deep balls. I think those were two of his most impressive throws in his three starts, back-to-back. And that McCutcheon back shoulder throw was phenomenal. And that's just not a throw you luck into. And it's not a throw that uh, – a ton of, I mean, I don't think McKay, McKay can't make that throw. And touchdown no, time is coming in as an 18, 19-year-old, hitting that back yeah. shoulder for that touchdown to put the Cats ahead for good. And I was I was once excited for everything else that was going on, but just to see those two throws on the lot, I was like, okay, our future's in good hands too. Yeah, no, it was, it, even the broadcasters were saying, like, most of the Bobcat players didn't know they snapped the ball. Like, he yeah. quick snapped it, got it to him, And it was awesome to see uh, McCutcheon get a touchdown. Like it just yes. like in a game like that, you want your studs um, playing well. Like in, in the Bozeman, Grizz Eastern Washington hometown. game, it was awesome seeing like you know a Cam and four like all these guys contributing. In this game, it's awesome to see McCutcheon get his touchdown. It would have been nice to have a Fonse out there just to so he could experience that as a player. But all your studs from this season um, uh, really came came home. Um, so the fourth quarter, 31-17 is after that McCutcheon touchdown. That stayed the final score. Um, there were a couple points, though, where South Dakota State um, looked a little frisky. There's a lot of time on the clock, 14 points and just two touchdowns. And with four minutes left, um, they had it. It was fourth and four, I think around like the 30, 40-yard line. And they hit a long pass, get down to the Cats' five-yard line. Did that suck any of the oxygen out of the stadium? Do you guys remember that when all of a sudden they're down there? Or yeah. was it party atmosphere the whole time? There was definitely a lot of nervous energy. But part of it, we were just, in my section, there was also confusion. Because the, it must, the only thing I can think of is that the Cats made these adjustments that really threw off their passing game. Because when they were down 14, and there was some decent time left, more than 10 minutes, 
They were running it. The the rabbits were running it on first and second down, yeah. and then passing on third. And they're down fourteen, and they had had success against this passing. So there was nervous energy, but there was also confusion. Like, what are they doing? They're running out the clock, and. Sure enough, when they didn't get that touchdown, like you said, when they got closer, it's like, well, there's not much time left. Like, even if they score again, they're going to have to play it perfect and get an onside just to have a chance to tie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that, it was just yeah. kind of a weird feeling. <laughs> that that drive, so they get down to the five-yard line. I just looked it up. Um, they were on the 43, fourth and four, and they hit Jackson Janky for 35 yards. So they get down to the eight-yard line. Um, and then the wheels just come completely off for, for the Jackrabbits. Incomplete, incomplete. It was close, though. So it's, it was on that, no, yeah. so, on that second but and no, goal. But, no, but, think, so, but it's, so now it's third and goal from the eight. False start. False start. Sack. False start. All of a sudden, it is... Uh, I wrote it down. It's fourth and goal from the 25-yard line. And so yeah. then the the announcers on TV described it as a hail mary heave, which is not what you want. Oh, it was on a anything in goal um, to be your play. But I mean, that was you're right though, parlay. Once that happened, that, then it's like, all right, even if the Bobcats turn this over quick, which they end up doing, there's not a lot of time on the clock for them to do it. Then everything's going to have to fall into place. If they score there, there's four minutes left. I think they had all their. Did they have all their timeouts? Um, uh, regardless, uh, they were down to one at that. Point, regardless, but yeah, that, they, that second and goal play though, the second and goal play was a pass to Jaden Yonke, and great, great defense by the corner on that side for the Cats, kind of forcing him to the boundary. He caught the ball; it was a fantastic catch, and was probably half a yard uh, out of bounds when he tried to get his feet down. But when he threw that in the stadium, I think that was when everybody collectively held their breath. When they went, it was a one-on-one kind of a deep yeah. ball to one of the best receivers uh, in the Missouri Valley, and he almost got those feet down. And it was—I mean—that's just how close it was to being probably a seven-point game uh, with about three minutes left. It was—it was—it was nuts when he when he got pushed out. That was when I was like, okay. Then you're right; those two false starts that even got obviously is going to get the stadium going even more. And you're right; you don't want to hail mary heave on first or goal on anything. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a bad look. And then, um, yeah, the Cats go, Cats go, uh, they punted their next possession. They did, but I wanted them to put the game away right at that moment. It was fourth and one at the Montana State 35. I understand the smart thing to do there is probably punt the ball, but I was thinking it's fourth and one. Let's just do it. Let's go for it. Let's put Tommy... Give that put the put that ball in his hands. Let him get that first down. That stadium would have gone insane because it would have been all kneels the rest of the way. I wanted it so bad, and they punted it. Probably the right thing to do. But I I remember that moment in the stadium just being like, just do it, go for it, end this thing, and let this crowd just go yeah. absolutely insane. Well, and I oh. I got to give you a compliment, Nate, um, because we met. You mentioned this on last week's episode, and I kind of pushed back on it. But South Dakota State not playing in front of a big crowd on the road. Played at big crowds at home. They had that one FBS game, but they were not prepared for Bozeman. And there was uh, several times, um, every time Tommy clapped his hands, their defensive line jumped. They didn't get called on it every time, but they jumped every single time. The fall starts at the end of the game. Like that is just not being able to handle the crowd. The moment was too big for them. It was a huge, 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 huge advantage for Montana State. Um, yeah. The crowd was rocking. But yeah, it's... Uh, 
Um, you know, cats punt it away, and then there's a couple, you know, hook and ladders. I think you can run the hook and ladder once, uh, maybe <laughs> twice if you space it out <laughs> a few plays, but back-to-back hook and ladders, the defense knows what's going on. They end up fumbling it, um, and the cats are able to kneel it out. That's when they start playing. That's when they start playing. If you're going to play in Texas, got to have a fill in the band. And it was one of the coolest moments. You hear it when North Dakota State wins, you know? Like, you hear it on yeah. ESPN. You know that they play that 11 of the last 12 years or something insane like that. And to hear it getting played in your own stadium uh, and know that there's nothing that can take it away at that point. Like, there's no fluke play. There's no miracle finish that's going to show up on ESPN or bad beats or anything like that. Um that was playing that over the loudspeaker was just the the coolest thing and one of a memory I'll never forget when that song came on. I actually have it on video because I was taking a kind of a crowd video on my phone and I have that when they started playing it and it was it was uh, something I'll never forget. And yeah, it we're just dancing in the stands, jumping up and down, high fives everywhere. It it was euphoria. Um, you know, yeah. I would say just. One of the best second, ha- co- best coached and executed second halves I've ever seen in person. And you you can throw it up to a little bit of fatigue. South Dakota State's travel, you know, spring season, blah blah blah. But we had a game plan. We executed. The only thing critique I'm going to give is I did not the, the kind of the worst in the second half. The worst I felt was when Tommy was running into the line in the last six minutes <laughs> yeah, when we were up, four, we're up 14 and he had five of the last six running plays were to touchdown yeah. Tommy and he's just getting smashed because, you know, <laughs> all of all of the farm boys from South Dakota State are just hammering him trying to get the ball loose because that's their only chance at this point. Yeah. I'm like, just hand it off to someone or even – Put, just put yeah. anyone else in there, <laughs> yeah, or, ne- or just kneel it and punt it. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, well, you, oh my you god, about, that was really concerning. About, yeah, that was it was that was really concerning in the moment. Uh, I kind of <laughs> forgot about that. Another question I wanted to ask, um, Parlay. This is another one of your pet peeves, other than punting on fourth and short. Um, you hate when people go out to the tailgates at halftime. In fact, in the 2019 <laughs> Cat Grizz game. Um, I sat with Parlay and witnessed him go row by row, get everyone's attention in the second quarter and scream at them not to go out to the tailgates or if they do to be back before the, the, the kickoff. A lot of confused faces, especially in the student section that you harassed. But what was horrified the, faces? What was the what was the what was the crowd like at the beginning of the third quarter? Well, I uh, didn't quite do the same thing but i but i put it out on twitter as soon as the coin toss happened i put it out then as i started to get more fired up and i saw it was going to be a tie game i put it out again on twitter and it got shared a bit and it's just like and i started screaming at everyone around me and i'm like share the word share it spread the word share i'm like word like a yeah. like an old paul revere like it basically i like Bobcats spread the word paul revere like, I'm like, you know, you can drink and socialize any damn time, any day, but this is a semifinal oh and God. the other team's going to get the ball and it's a tie game. And I couldn't believe how many people were leaving the stadium. This, they were not back. 2019, it was Jay, or Parlay was only missing the horse. Otherwise, he would be Paul. <laughs> yeah. he was going His new name is definitely going to be Montana. Stadiums. His new name is Montana Revere. <laughs> <laughs> but, Montana well, it's funny is... 
I didn't leave the stadium, but I did go to the the uh, section, the end zone section, to meet up with some friends. I had got them tickets to that section, and we walked around. And I I thought about going to the new beer garden, but just couldn't quite make it. So I got, and then I stayed. I actually did kind of walk back and forth behind the the team, and I was like encouraging them and saying <laughs> like rooting them on and. And they're oh like, like, who the hell is this guy? And then I walk back up to the seats, like, right before the half. And everyone's like, we were watching to see if you'd be back. Because, you know, I was giving everyone crap for... I um, love it. My, you're my halftime was a little parlay. bit... My, you are. my halftime was a little bit more tame. We we sat and watched uh, the marching band. Um, uh, my girlfriend, Rachel, said, you know, these people put in a lot of hard work, too, during the season. We should stay and watch them. So we stayed. Great point. Um, Watch them, and also learned that you cannot play in a marching band with a French horn. So instead, you play the sousaphone in the marching band. Yeah, it's it's a handheld French horn. Didn't I didn't know that? The fact that Parlay knew already. Why is it just because no geography? No geography on this. Yeah, no geography on this one, but a little band knowledge. Little known fact: I in high school, I had a I had no growth spurt until later. I quit football (laughs) freshman year. And because I was in the top band in high school, I I was required to be in marching band. It was like... And now I'm just picturing I, you playing I, a bugle on a horse, telling everybody no, the British are coming. I, I, Jake I, just played I, the big bell that he was ringing on the back of a exactly. horse. I played the, he was a bell player. <laughs> I played the trumpet, and, and I shout out... I love playing the trumpet. I love music, um, but for someone in an athletic family, a father who played college football and a a brother who was invited to be in the Shrine Bowl, I was humiliated. I was humiliated. I can't even say yeah. it. He's still, I, it was just embarrassing. Still heard about it. it was, I'm still heard uh, about it 20 years later. You, you know, should have marching ba- at halftime rather than playing football. Yeah, if anyone has pictures of Montana Parlay in any halftime show playing a French horn or trumpet, please send them to us at Montana <laughs> the Sports. The only thing um, about the halftime in the band is that when we were in college, I swear for four years straight, they played the smooth sounds of Carlos Santana. And every single time I sit and watch that band or hear that band play, I'm, a, I'm assuming the PA announcer is going to say, and now the Spirit of the, Mar- Spirit of the West Marching Band playing the smooth sounds of Carlos Santana. And they would always start with that song Smooth with Rob Thomas. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. a trigger in my head now. Whenever I hear that song, I think yeah. back to Bobcat Stadium. Santana really, he was like the pit bull of 2002. He was in every single song. <laughs> Rob Thomas or San- oh Santana San- Santana yeah. Santana he was he in got a lot of he work. was in everything um, yeah okay we're gonna do a preview show for North Dakota State uh, probably after the holidays but both Hot Take Nate Montana Parlay going down to the game um, they'll be there to buy you some beers they'll maybe be hosting a tailgate or something we'll think of something fun that the mint sports guys can do um, yeah. But uh, it's really awesome you guys are able to go to that. Any, any, clo- we have a few other points we got to hit here. Any closing thoughts from the game? Yeah. I know. Oh, well, I got a couple. Talk about, uh, I got like a, our bar. Well, I got. We will. We'll talk about post after this. But <laughs> um, a couple deep dives for you. Oh, great! Thank you. Oh, yeah. So you know, I, I'm getting a lot of these from uh, Tom Stuber. He works with Skyline Sports on Twitter. He probably should just work for us too because I get all my deep dives from him. It seems on his what he's tweeting out. <laughs> uh, he's at 88 Tomcat on Twitter. He didn't even ask me to say that, but I feel I need to give some sort of 
uh, reference point or um, citation. Sure. I guess if we were writing a paper to him. Uh, but Parlay talked about the adjustments that the Cats did at halftime, and here was a pretty cool stat that he saw in Bobcat Nation. Uh, the Cats gave up 77 rushing yards in the first quarter of that game on Saturday. They gave up 47 yards rushing the rest of the game to one of the best Unreal. running teams in all of the FCS. So after that first quarter, the Jacks averaged 1.9 yards per carry. And if you would have told me that we would have done in the final three quarters, they would have been less than two yards a carry out of thought you were insane. So yeah. usually a big physical line like that hammers you in the second half. And that's when you give up more run, you know, more yards. Yeah. So it's just crazy it what we did, uh, what our defense, uh, Troy and Hardy. I mean, those guys stand out the whole, it was a team effort, but those guys just, it was like superhero esque. I've seen yeah. Troy live a few times yeah. now, but the way he was moving around the field Saturday, it's unreal, unbelievable. Yeah. Just yeah, so we won't he, see it in Bozeman again. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch him at the next level. We'll just, <laughs> he's going to be unreal. Uh, yeah. And then I have two touchdown Tommy separate deep dives because who doesn't Seriously. love it? So we talked about last week that he's the second Butte quarterback with Paul Dennehy. Uh, to lead the Bobcats mm-hmm. to playoff victories. But in his freshman year, which I don't think – I mean, this stat will never be caught ever. Um, so in his freshman year, Tommy Malott is tied for the most playoff game wins in MSU history with three. Jeez. Unbelievable. So Paul Dennehy and Kelly Bradley both have three. Of all time. In MSU history, he has three – Wins as a quarterback in the playoffs. <laughs> no other Bobcat quarterback has more than two besides him, Paul Dennehy, and Kelly wow. Bradley. Tommy Malott also now holds the single-season MSU playoff records for rush TDs, six, total touchdowns, 11, rush yards, 411, and rushing attempts, 74. 11 total touchdowns in, in one playoff games. run. In three that's, games. That's really, and he didn't really start crazy. a game until the first one. That's a pretty decent season, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Yeah, there's some teams. And no interceptions. No interceptions. I think one one fumble loss, I think, in that UT Martin game. Yeah. Insane. Man. Wow. Good Lord. Touchdown, Tommy. Yeah, so those, are my, those are my deep dives. Those are my deep dives. Good deep dives. Um, line in the North Dakota State game, uh, in the book that I'm looking at, has it at 8, um, plus 260 for the Cats money line. Uh, that seems pretty fair. And, you know, ISIS, they're underdogs. I don't think that's a, a big surprise. But, you know, South Dakota State beat North Dakota State this year. Um, it is not out of the realm of possibility that you guys are able to, to do this. So um, we'll do a big preview, though, probably the week um, the week before the game uh, at some point. But be on the lookout for that. Any other points on the game before we go to the last couple things I want to make a note of? I've talked okay, about it so much things. the last four days. <laughs> couple things. But every time it's brought so much joy to my heart. Yeah. Very happy for you. Idaho has a new coach, Jason Eck. We saw him this weekend. We kind of talked about it already, offensive coordinator. Um, the pictures, here's the deal. Paul Petrino was like one of the most boring coaches of all time, um, both in play calling and uh, uh, just like everything about him, the way he spoke, um, yeah, that stupid looked. ring the bell commercial that he did. He was so boring. Uh, Jason Eck 
looks like an absolute party animal. He he arrived in Idaho (laughs) on a private jet, immediately starts liking the tweets from the tubs at the club guys, and then goes to the corner club, which is like the college bar. Um, it's just somehow has a gold somehow has a gold dress shirt on when he shows up that he probably oh, got a cold on the way out of Bozeman. It is the best. Like he um, had to it's, he had to have bought that gold shirt like leaving Bozeman before getting to to the airport. Yes, um, he either bought it leaving the leaving on his way to the airport, or he bought it for a job interview twenty years ago in one of those boxes that has the <laughs> shirt and the tie. Um, yellow shirt. I love slightly dark. I had never, dye. I had never seen the guy. Like I honestly never looked him up or saw what he looked like or anything until yeah. he got introduced as the coach when he was coming off that private plane. He can barely get through that damn private jet door. Like <laughs> he takes up the so entire much. door. It's yeah, amazing. He, and he's got chops. Big time football guy. Chops down um, to yeah, below the his ear. Like burns. it's unbelievable what this guy looks like. He looks. It, there was pictures of him when he worked at Idaho before and he looks more of that era now than he did back yeah. then in like the seventies or whenever he worked there, seventies or eighties. It is so funny. I am so glad that he got hired at Idaho. Yeah. I was yeah. getting pumped for the tubs guys, you know, with his little videos that he was posting. It was like I was when, getting fired was, up for the it was like when guys. It was like when Ash got axed and we got choked. Like you saw this guy come in yeah. with energy and like some kind of football personality and it was like yeah. just invigorating. Yep. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, you got to give them a little bit of time to turn things around, but like they are in rock bottom mode in Idaho. Um, their biggest, you know, only highlight they've had is when they beat Eastern Washington in the spring season on that weird goal that couldn't be reviewed. Um, or they, uh, they got within seven to the, you know, a team that's showing up in the national championship. That's true. I think they beat yeah. Eastern last in 2019 as well. But regardless, it is there are few and far things between to be celebrated in in Moscow and having this coach come in, having some energy. Um, obviously, did a good job. He had yeah with with what he did in South Dakota State. So it's just very exciting. It's, and they it is a fan base that deserves some success. The the chart of like level of success and fan base they are swapped with Eastern Washington and it's, it is, we need them to get some success. We need them to have yeah. Eastern success do, based on their fan base. I, I do love the, uh, I did love the tubs of the club guy in our, in our kind of big sky podcast network, which you should follow on Twitter. And it kind of goes through, um, you know, all the different podcasts we have in the big sky conference, if you're interested in that, but kind of in the, in the back direct messages that we have with each other, the tubs guy says, we can't wait for, for you guys to stop wishing we were good and wishing us well and having like a little soft spot in our hearts to hating us because we're actually good enough to beat you. So I thought that was interesting because we do. We cheer for them because we, we can see that they're – he even said in his press comments they're kind of a sleeping giant uh, in the FCS. Yeah. Uh, they could be a sleeping giant here in the big sky. And you're right. I, I can't wait to the point we get to where we hate them. But it's another big game in the in our conference. Like, Absolutely. So that we, we, we get so excited for the Easterns, Weavers, Davises, Sac States, Cats, Grizz games. Like those are the – Seven programs yep. that we actually are excited for when we play them. To put another one in there like Idaho just is amazing for the conference. I really hope this guy uh, succeeds there. And we are hating Idaho because they're good now and not just having yeah. a soft spot because we feel bad for them. Well, when you look at the, the 13 teams that went into this season, right, we got rid of Southern Utah. So we now get rid of their shitty games that pop up on our schedules all the time. Plus, we may now add Idaho into like an exciting yeah. game. Like it, it just, 
the level, the number of exciting games during the year, hopefully, is is going up. Um, so good, good on them. Um, speaking of the Big Sky Podcast Network, um, let, let's toss to you, uh, Montana Parlay, because we do have an exciting announcement um, from from one of our guys in Eastern Washington. Yeah, so Eastern overall might not have the fan support that an Idaho could have, but one of their biggest fans and a guy who is a heck of a guy overall um, is going to have to make a pretty big sacrifice. There was a fundraiser put out by FCS Fans Nation that raising money for a great organization in North Dakota. And, you know, it started as like some friendly f- fan talk and Kyler threw in, well, if you guys raise 15000 I'm going to get a Go Grizz tattoo. Yeah, the original bet was something like, you know, we get like a thousand bucks. Yeah, wear a jersey. Wear, wear a JMU jersey. Then Kyler yeah. <laughs> escalated it, <laughs> thinking that it probably wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, yeah. And when I see this, I'm on the layover to Montana. I'm in Phoenix. It was a six-hour layover. And I'm in a lounge, and I've had a few cocktails. And so I decide I'll throw my name in the hat. And, of course, I don't think there's any chance this is going to hit because I threw in 50. I said, my stipulation is if it gets to 50,000 and these guys in North Dakota give 10,000 to HRDC in Bozeman, the organization that runs the Gallatin uh, Valley Food Bank, they do warming shelters for the homeless, they give rides to people who you know need transportation to get jobs, uh, they run the pay-as-you-go kitchen, the fork and spoon that my cousin Joe uh, volunteers at. Cousin uh, Joe. It's a great organization. So I said, it was probably vodka-fueled, but I said, <laughs> it gets to 50. I'll get a Gogris tat, but you have to give 10 grand to HRDC. Part of me doing that was just for the heck of it. Part of it was maybe I'd fire up the Grizz fan base so that Kyler would have to get the tattoo because there's a big big uh, spread between 15,000 and 50. And I was fired up about it, you know. And then PFT Commenter, he mentioned it. It was getting shared all over Twitter. And I'm like, oh, crap. And then on the flight, part of me felt like, oh, what did I just do? Like, am I actually going to have to get a Grizz tattoo? And thankfully, I didn't. Kyler will. Kyler, it hit $15,000 for the treehouse, Central Cast Treehouse in North Dakota. Helps out young kids, young families that just need day-to-day things to get by. You know, hygiene products, food. You know, a lot of things we take for granted in the how we grew up. And these kids, it it makes a huge difference to have that those types of products when you're going to school. Um, So, amazing things that FCS Fan Nation and Kyler did yeah. for those kids in North Dakota. But I don't want to leave it there for HRDC and Bozeman. I want to help out Montana. So thank God I didn't have to get a Grizz tat, but I still want to help out HRDC and Bozeman. So if you're listening to this now, hit up my Twitter, at Montana Parlay. I've put out a challenge. I, I donated $150 to start. Oh, Anyone boy. who shows me Anyone who shows me any kind of proof that they donated, just send me a DM, send me a reply, whatever. 
If you can prove to me that you donated to HRDC, take a screenshot, go to thehrdc.org, so T-H-E-H-R-D-C.org, make a donation or find the link on my Twitter. It's my pinned, it's my pinned tweet, at Montana Parlay. Make a donation, prove it. For everyone who donates, I'll donate another 10, up to double what is already donated. So let, Excellent. Fact of the matter is, let's let's get this. Things are tough for people, you know. It for a lot of people in Bozeman these days, you know, inflation, uh, housing prices. It, some of these families are struggling. I mean, a lot of people in Bozeman are doing great. The Bobcats are doing great, but there's a lot of people that are struggling, and HRDC helps them out. So let's help them out. Yeah, uh, hit great me up on Twitter. Good on you, Parlay, for getting that donation in there. That's awesome. It's an awesome competition you got going. Um, I'm interested. Yeah, so up to up to three hundred dollars, you'll match. Um, how much money would we have to raise for you to get that Grizz tattoo between now and the national championship game? <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna fifty thousand. We'll keep 50, it at fifty thousand. Okay, and I. I mean, how are we going to track that? Let's see if we can get some private donors lined up. (laughs) $50,000. Some big-time donors. (laughs) $50,000 to HRDC and Bozeman, and I'll I'll get a Go Grizz tat. All right, all right. That's that's something maybe we'll we'll cook up. This has nothing to do with charity. Uh, So, you know, but you have to follow it somehow. So I was in the airport going to the game in Denver, saw uh, Coach Choate. Whoa. Yeah. That's... Talk Coach Choate, keeping a low pro. Didn't have any. U, he didn't have any UT stuff on. Didn't have any cat stuff on. Obviously, still has a kid on the team. Saw Coach Choate. I still miss him. Loved him as a coach. Was he was he live streaming on Instagram? Hey guys, just in the Denver airport. What do no, you think I he was, get he for was, lunch? He had his he had his he had his backpack on. He had his mask on because he still had to mask up in airports. Uh, but I know him. I could hear the voice, loud voice. Oh yeah, just just see him from a mile away. Um, stood by him for a little bit there, just probably creepily. Uh, didn't see him again until um, after the game. And then this is kind of where I was going with this. Uh, after the game, Choate and Vegan handshake it yeah, was... uh, on the field, then handshake into hug, and it was super cool to see. Um, I guess Vegan in the press conference afterwards said that they hadn't got to meet and talk in person, so you kind of assumed that they had talked. On the phone, just maybe about the team, those kind of things, the transition. Uh, but they got to yeah. meet in person. It was really, really a cool picture to see those two. The guy who yeah. built it, the guy who kind of took over and probably captained it better than Choate could have this postseason. I don't think some of these changes happen if it's Choate at the helm. So kind of just an interesting partnership where your old coach, he didn't get fired. He went up somewhere. He didn't go to a rival. You know, He didn't go to another FCS school or anything like that. Went up to a spot where there's really no competition between the two. And just a general mutual respect for what got built in Bozeman after Ash uh, left the cover. It's unbelievably bare uh, yep. in Bozeman. So really a cool scene after that game. It would be awesome and, if if he took over like a Mountain West school and then we end up combining with like, you know, I don't even know what school it would be. But I'd love, I'd love for Cho to get back into the big sky or into whatever conf- the snow belt or whatever conference uh, we see <laughs> uh, come out of this in the, in the, in the near future. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. Um, other notes that I wrote down um, two things. One Sagarin has uh, North Dakota state as a three to one favorite. 
Uh, and two, Montana State defensive coordinator Freddie Banks going to Colorado State, um, but will be coaching in the national championship, which is, I feel like it's always bullshit when the coach leaves before the bowl game or yeah. before the playoffs. I understand why they need to do it. It's cool that they were able to work it out this way where um, he'll be coaching in the national championship. So good on him. And as a coordinator. Yes, you job. And as a coordinator, I guess, you know, hopefully he can focus more on his job rather than recruiting yeah. at the next job. But it, it kind of, one of the other, I think it was one of the R&R guys. It's kind of karma because the last two teams we've played, they're, their coordinators have left to another coaching job right before the game or not left, but they knew they were going somewhere. And I think that that has to have some effect. Um, This being the championship game and like the fact that we've had a different defensive coordinator, like I think every year, the last four years, I think our team can handle that. We've got, you know, captains and seniors like Troy that I hope it's not going to affect the game or the game plan at all, or the way the kids play for him but it's disappointing but it, it makes sense i mean look at the yeah. way that defense is played i mean yeah and there's yeah, a lot more money in in the fbs unth- unlike someone like Eck, right who was clearly interviewing for the for the idaho job and there's seven days between games or six days between games like you only have yeah. so much time to prepare going forward there's three weeks ish between now and the championship game yeah there's the holidays like he'll have enough time and be able to start planning forward um you would imagine and this Um, this had to i mean this had to have been in the in the plans before even that semifinal game i mean freddie banks yeah coached with the now colorado state coach when they were at nevada together yeah and so these two i mean with that defense he had you knew there's going to be some teams coming calling for for that skill level and like like montana barley said it's happened to the cats before and um and he still coached a hell of a game against South Dakota State, so you have to think that a championship game is going to trump that. And you have to think that the Colorado State coaching team staff knows that as well and knows that his yeah. priorities also, lay in this. So, yeah, I agree that yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit different. But, man, it's going to suck to see him go, but definitely uh, deserved. Yeah, do you know what's not going to help Colorado State become a winning program? Like an extra anything. 10 days with, with Freddie Banks, right? <laughs> or, like, or anything. They stink. <laughs> Yeah, like anything. Nothing's going to help. Um, so good luck to him. And hopefully they turn that program around and meet us in the snow belt. Um, anything else we need to cover? It's weird just having one game. Uh, my only note from the JMU North Dakota State game was that it looked like a sleepy crowd. And I just. The I, interception was like the guys, only cool thing. Yeah, pretty great. The one handed interception was an unbelievable yeah. catch. Yeah. Some weird coaching decisions in that game. I hope. I hope they keep that up. Um, but, yeah, not near as exciting as the game Saturday. Awesome. All right. Well, anything else, fellas, before we break? Go Bobcats. Uh, yeah. Talked about housing prices in Bozeman. Uh, check out the Land Grab podcast. Chapter 5 is coming out uh, tonight. Um, so it'll be out when you are listening to this. Um, all about kind of the, mon- the history of Montana housing and land shit. Um, no Grizz fan pod this week because there's no Grizz game, but I think they'll be back at some point this season talking basketball uh, and get back into it in the spring. Um, but other than that, I will be rooting for the Cats against those stupid Bison from North Dakota State and uh, hope yes. everybody has a nice holiday. Yeah, I hope everybody has a Merry Catsmas and Grizzmas. Merry Catsmas. Happy Christmas. And uh, yeah, we're going to definitely be uh, partying like it's 1984 in Frisco in a couple weeks. Like, 
uh, Bear Tycoon said Montana Parlay and I will be there. We're excited for that. But yeah, we'll have a preview podcast before before we get there um, to kind of go over that matchup. Like Montana Parlay said, maybe or Bear Tycoon said, hopefully we'll have some guests on that can kind of give us some color on North Dakota State and what to expect this year. But it's going to be a blast, and uh, you can't can't have much more of a Merry Christmas sports fan wise uh, with your team going to the championship in a couple weeks. All right. Well, for Montana Revere and Bear Tycoon, we hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Go Cats. We'll talk to you later. Happy New Year. Please take me back. Just take me back to that time of innocence. Lay down with me, but keep it clean so the secret never ends. Everything I wanted to do on this night just feels so 